Hey guys, what's up? It's Haley. Well, I am just getting back from a great weekend away at the beach. It was amazing. 75 and sunny. Uh, those Floridians, they are spoiled with some good weather. I mean, it's humid, but you've got that ocean breeze. I mean, it was great. It was such a needed break from all of the, just the crazy stresses of life. And, uh, but I'm back and I feel refreshed and I'm ready to push through to the end of this series and then have a Thanksgiving break and a Christmas break. I'm planning to take, just so you know, um, all of December off of publishing, um, likely January as well. So probably I've done this every year since I started taking December off and it's always been awesome and really needed for me to just kind of refocus and recenter my heart and, get excited for whatever's next, you know, and kind of come back renewed instead of just dragging my feet and feeling weary from all of the work that I've just done. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a, just a natural break in the season. So December and probably January will be off publishing new episodes, but, 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 but I will continue publishing fire starters throughout that time. So I will not be airing new Kindled episodes on Mondays, but I will be publishing Firestarters on Fridays for my Patreon community. If you're new here and you have not heard about Patreon, what I'm doing over there is publishing bonus episodes every Friday for the Patreon community. They're called Firestarters. They are shorter 15 to 30 minute episodes where I'm discussing uh, culture, theology, politics, and uh, really anything that kind of comes up and is current events, my take on it, um, applying scripture and a biblical worldview to whatever we're discussing. That's what it's about. It's kind of meant to just get you fired up, get you excited about what is true, recenter your heart and mind on what's true, um, be an encouragement and yeah, just kind of be like get you amped going into the weekend or your week whenever you're listening. As you guys know, there's been so much going on in the world lately and so I've had the opportunity to kind of speak to some of those issues that have come up where, you know, uh, I didn't have space in my production schedule to talk about um, any given topic every single Monday because I have all these interviews lined up that need to air and they're part of the series. And so it's a great place for me to get to just, you know, me and the mic have a 15 to 30 minute conversation with you about the stuff that's going on and stuff that's more um, kind of culturally relevant, like to today or this week, or what is what you're hearing out in culture, or what people are talking about, um, and applying scripture and truth to that. So that is Firestarters. You can join us at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. It is $10 a month, which I realize is different to have to pay, but it's in addition to kindled. So it's in addition to the Monday episodes. Monday will always be free. The regular podcast will always be free. However, these are bonus. If you just want more and you want, you know, you want to have more content and you want to hear um, my take on, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on, that's where to get it. Um, what else? We are, we are nearing the end of this series. I mean, we're getting close. Um, I have two more episodes to air. So it looks like we're going to have, yeah, the 23rd and then the 30th. And that's going to get us through the end of Christianity and culture. And then I'm going to take a break. And then we'll come back in February. So, okay, without any further ado, I am just going to let you get into this conversation with Bethany Berendrecht. Here we go. 
Bethany, this is the second time we've had this conversation. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel terrible. Um, I somehow in the, in the process of selling my old laptop and then buying a new one and some Dropbox files getting lost, we lost our first conversation. So we are, this is going to be extra good because yeah, it's we've had this. Time. We're, we're so experienced now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're old. This is old hat for us. So yeah. Um, anyways, so I'm really thankful that you're coming back to, to talk with me about this topic of belonging and friendship, because it is so important, um, for believers, for Christian women everywhere. It's something that all of us deal with and are facing in our day-to-day lives. Um, before we get into the topic though, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to anyone who has not heard of you and is not familiar with you, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be back with you again. It's always fun to talk to you no matter the circumstances, but um, yeah, my name is Bethany Berendrecht and I am a Christian woman who lives in Alberta, Canada. Um, I live a thousand miles almost exactly from where I grew up in the Portland area, Um, still miss home and still know how hard it is to um, be a transplant. It is something that is kind of still a reality of my life that I do miss home and the things that are still familiar even after 14 years. And so I've lived up here um, since I got married to my husband, Alex, 14 years ago. Um, We have five wonderful kids, Jordan, Jack, Sam, Eliana, and Audrey. And um, about, I guess a big part of my story is about, about 11 years ago, I was still really trying to find my place here. I had made a couple of friends, one moved away and then kind of felt really lonely. And so was trying to really find a way to belong in my community, um, in my church. And um, a friend of mine invited me to an inductive Bible study. And through the that introduction and the women that I got to be with there, the Lord really did a couple of things. One is he opened my eyes to see Jesus in the word in a way that I really hadn't before. And it was um, just a beautiful experience. And I'm so thankful for that. And it, God continued to grow the hunger for his word uh, over the last 11 years. It's been a huge part of my life and that's taken different, I guess, different directions and at different times. But the one thing he has been really consistent with is really um, keeping me hungry for him and to know him through his word. And the other thing that that Bible study did for me was it gave me a sense of community that was really outside of uh, what we often think of community being, where you have commonality in every way. Like maybe you've, you all shop at the same place or your kids go to the same school or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like we were so different, this group of 50 or so women, um, we were so different. We went to different churches, but we were all there because we wanted to know the Lord. And that was an incredible experience for me. And it really was like almost like a foretaste of heaven in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but um, to be in a community with women who had the same goal was so beautiful. And because of that, God planted a little seed in my heart around that time where I wanted to, um, it kind of was like a little dream in my heart. And I kind of sat on that dream for a few years, never told anybody about it, but the dream was what if we could, instead of just being collected in this basement together, studying the word, what if it was everyone, all, all these women from around the city, what if all the women in our city knew that they were welcome to come and know God? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I really desired to build. And I, like I said, I sat on that for a long time, didn't tell anybody. And then 
about six years ago, I actually mentioned it to a friend, like, what would you think if we did a women's conference? And um, she thought it was a great idea. And I, around that time, I was also talking to my husband about it. And he said, I think you should go for it. And we all, the amazing thing was that every door we knocked on, the Lord just flung the door wide open. So we have had this conference running for several years now where we have this mission to grow in Christ and be shaped by his word. And so the ministry is called Women Encouraged. We also have a podcast. I hope the, I host the podcast. Um, we have a blog that we have some editors that help with that as well. And so I have a wonderful team I get to work with. Uh, I've had the wonderful experience of in engaging with women in my community and bringing in great teachers from around the U.S. and Canada. And I've just been so blessed to be part of this. And so that's, that's the work that I do outside of my home um, with my kids. I homeschool my kids. And then I work from home as a content director for Women Encouraged. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's really cool to hear the backstory of, of how Women Encouraged kind of got started. And your heart has always been to, um, you know, unify women under the truth. And uh, that's really you know, I think relevant to what we're talking about mm. today, actually. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. So getting into the topic of friendship and belonging, uh, I would love to start out with some definitions. Um, this is a topic, I think, you know, the idea of belonging somewhere, belonging in in some context, or maybe even to yourself, this is something we hear talked a lot about mm-hmm. today in our current um, age. And it, 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 I sometimes, you know, we, we don't even really know what it is we're talking about. We just say things that sound good. So what is belonging? Uh, and let's start out first with the definition for the Christian. What is belonging for the Christian? Sure. And you're very right. It does. It's an issue that kind of, it's at the basis of a lot of different things that go on and and a lot of topics that are discussed. Um, And it is an issue that when it's wielded wrong, it can hit us in every place. It really hurts us. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the Christian woman, and I do think it's really important to start from that perspective of what does it mean to, to be a Christian who belongs? And so belonging is something that is objectively true It is something that is outside of me and my own experience, and it's something that is as true for me as being an image bearer of God. It is something that is bestowed and given, and it's not something that I have to strive to achieve for myself. Um, It can be demonstrated to us by other people in certain instances and contexts, but um, my belonging is not dependent on somebody else. That's a really wonderful truth, and it's actually very freeing and very comforting, as I think we'll see as we go on with this conversation. But how we relate to belonging is directly tied to what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about God and why he created us, and what we believe about Jesus and why he saved us. So um, it's it's an objective reality that as a Christian, I learn to understand and believe and live in, but it's a truth that's provided for me. And when we look all the way back to Genesis to see at creation that God created mankind in his own image, so we're designed for God's purposes. Um, Ephesians 2 talks about how we're his workmanship and that we walk in the good works that God prepared beforehand for us that were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, St. Augustine said, you know, Lord, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So these are just some kind of proof things that can remind us that we're designed by and for God and to know fellowship with God and to be satisfied by him. And knowing why we were made is so important to understanding our belonging. We're image bearers. We 
So we either image our creator faithfully or unfaithfully. There is no in-between option. Um, our, and our belonging is bestowed by the one who created us. But because mankind has fallen in Adam, um, our relationship with God is severed by sin. And, and because God cannot dwell as a holy God, he cannot dwell with a sinful people. Um, it's God's mercy that because of his great love for us, he has this plan you can see throughout scripture to rescue his people and bring them back into fellowship with him so that they'll know their belonging in Christ. Um, he dwells in them and with them by his Holy Spirit and and his plan for all eternity in consummation is is going to be to dwell with us. And that's, you know, like a very, very short version of the story of scripture. But for the Christian, we look throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation and we can see example after example of God's people called to belong to him, called to image him faithfully and live like they belong. They fail, they're corrected and restored and received. Um, and then we see really what it means to know and have forgiveness through Jesus and to be brought into fellowship with God through Christ and to live like people who belong. And so there's a vertical relationship that this belonging entails us and God. And then there's also a horizontal one. So us with the people who have also been brought into fellowship with God. And we see a good example and an illustration of this in Romans. Paul starts his letter to the Roman Christians by saying um, that he's called as an apostle set apart for the gospel to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of Jesus's name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So we have this identity of being a people who are called to belong. Um, if you look also in in First John, John tells us that we should take note of the kind of love that God has lavished on us, calling us children of God, and so we are. And so throughout the epistles to the early church and the earliest Christians, we see exhortation after exhortation about what it means to be God's people. So being God's people didn't stop at the end of the Old Testament, it continues on um, in the church today. And so to be Christ's now means I'm not my own. Belonging to Christ means you are Christ. And the ESV sometimes translates this as belonging to, but um, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, you know, you can use blue letter Bible, take a look at what this is. But um, it says really that it's just a word of belonging that is simply you are Christ's, which means you're not your own. And that's such a good place for the Christian to start from that. I don't set the standard. I don't make the rules. I don't set the parameters of belonging, which is, mm -hmm. like I said before, a beautiful and a gracious thing that my belonging isn't dependent on my performance because I'm kept by the God who made me and saved me. And you, listener, are saved by Jesus who died for you and shepherds you. And um, so that's some of the the vertical belonging. And so because of this bestowed identity of belonging, we're not isolated in these belonging bubbles, individually belonging and not having any kind of connection to other individuals who have also been called to belong. Titus 2 talks about how Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us and purify for himself a people. So we're part of this collective people we have this identity of belonging in the story God has written and to the people he has prepared for us to grow with, to be sanctified in part by them, to be shaped and softened by them, and, and really to be connected with them to Jesus. You know, the vine that we have all these other fruit-bearing members of his body, we're right next to them, growing with them. And so um, I would say last for the Christian, belonging also means extending our hands to the world around us and to be the means that God is using to invite them to come belong to Christ, to welcome them as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God, like Romans 15 talks about. This is a very, very long example and explanation, sorry. But um, 
I think those, those are really the vital parts of what it means to belong for the Christian. That's so good and so helpful. Maybe you should write a book or something. Hey, maybe I should. <laughs> she is writing wink, a book. Wink, wink. Can I say that? Are, are, you can, are you we, can say that. Yes, I am work, that? I'm okay. working on that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes, you're going to want to read that book because obviously Bethany has a lot to share on this topic. And um, yeah, you could probably rewind that and listen to it again too, if you need it to absorb more. Um, but yeah, I love so many of the things that you just brought up that, you know, we are by God and for God designed by him and designed for him to know fellowship with him. And that, you know, another thing you said that I thought was um, definitely a sound bite there was uh, we, our belonging is bestowed and not achieved. And that is just such a foreign concept to mm, yeah. the world and to those who don't know Christ, because belonging feels like something to earn, something to be grasped at and something that we must secure for ourselves. Um, not something that is given to us. Uh, that's just not been our experience, you know, living in this world ever since we were little, we remember having to get chosen for the team or, you know, trying to earn our way onto the team perhaps and, um, or into friendships or invited to that sleepover or that birthday party or, you know, um, feeling like whatever we did for our, our parents approval wasn't quite enough or didn't quite measure up. And so that idea of the, the bestowed belonging is, um, I think for a lot of us, even as believers, something that is like, are you sure? I don't know. Like I'm skeptical. Are you sure it's really free? Are you really sure I don't have to do anything? And, um, in the sense of like that I could do anything to earn or, or achieve this for myself. Yeah. Um, and it's just a beautiful, yeah, it's just a beautiful reminder, I think. Okay. So we, you were talking about horizontal, mm-hmm. um, horizontal and vertical. So first yeah. God, first, first our belonging comes from God. Mm-hmm. And from there we can go outwards and invite other people into that same belonging that we've been given. Yeah. Um, and I was just picturing like, the shape of the cross. I yeah. mean, it's obvious, but it's like, I mean, the shape of the cross, it's the, the vertical um, beam that is like God to earth, that there is a reconciling and a reckoning of um, our sin into Jesus's body, him bearing the punishment for our sin. Um, then God imputing, you know, imputing the righteousness of Christ onto us and our Mm -hmm. account, enabling us to be reconciled with him vertically. And then from there, that horizontal reconciliation, that horizontal um, relationship between us and other mankind, other men and women can then actually take place. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus's arms are extended out. (laughs) I don't think that the, um, that the position that he was killed in is mm-hmm. insignificant. And I think yeah. there is something that we can take from that in that sense, like the, the horizontal and the vertical. I think that is um, a built-in design mm-hmm. feature, you know, even, of, even of the of Christian bodies. life. Even yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you are, a, you stand up and up and down and your arms yeah. are in the shape of a cross, like yeah. not to be too weird, but I'm just saying like, it's not an accident. Our our design as human beings is not an accident that it would image the very thing that makes it possible for us to be reconciled to both God and others is the cross. And Mm -hmm. and we are literally shaped like one, you know? And so it's just amazing that 
wow, like God wrote this into not only his design of human beings, but he wrote this into our story by sending Christ to earth. He wrote our belonging into the meta narratives of scripture. He wrote himself into our story. Like Mm -hmm. he did not have to do that. I mean, obviously we know there was not ever a plan B. This has always been his plan, but um, in the sense of like, you know, God changed his mind and then he decided to send Jesus. Like, no, he, this right. has been his plan and, and he has always been sovereign over everything that takes place on this earth. But it's just so insane. It's kind of mind blowing. I think for me to, to think about all of the ways that he has written himself into our story as, you know, as human beings and as sinful flawed creation that has actually rejected him and hated him and yet he has bestowed belonging on us like you said and it's just like why so i mean no surprise that we would find it hard to believe like why why would you Mm -hmm. want us you know like it's yeah it's that that like i don't understand because i don't have like i don't have the kind of love that you do and the, the perfect um you know the perfect love that casts out all fear and and so I am still somehow, uh, you know, it can be, it can be difficult to, to fully trust and believe um, as a Christian that like you really are a member of the body of Christ and that you mm-hmm. really are forgiven. You really are made new. You really are. Your salvation is secure. Christ can't lose you because if he could lose one of you, he could lose all of us, you know? And so it's just really beautiful to, to, I don't know, meditate on those realities. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's so important to keep um, scripture centered in this and because without that we're really gonna not have any framework to understand this at all and i think one thing that i think we'll come back to a couple times probably is that one of the problems where this really gets broken down is when you don't believe that scripture is sufficient for you when you start to doubt that the bible is enough to tell you what you need to belong yeah yeah that's so good um, wow. Well, okay. I feel like I took a bunny trail, but it felt like a good one to go on. So, um, so belonging the way the world defines it and as compared with, you know, a secular idea, what we see today, cause this is the Christianity and culture series. So we want mm-hmm. to look at, you know, we just examined a biblical understanding according to scripture. Bethany gave lots of references for what belonging is from a Christian worldview and based on what God has said in his words. So how, how does the world without the Bible, without scripture, without that truth, what does belonging look like in the way they define it? Or maybe even if they don't give a real definition, how do we see it being pursued? Right. Um, There is something really important to remember that as we start this part of the conversation, that if we're not correctly um, trained to evaluate ourselves and our situations and others, we're going to end up exalting acceptance and belonging in a way that actually dishonors the God who designed us for belonging. Mm-hmm. And put differently, um, because we're fallen human beings, because of sin, apart from the wisdom of God's word and the help of the Holy Spirit, we will usually misunderstand belonging and we will idolize acceptance. And mm-hmm. um, the world tries to break free of that in some different ways. Um, but because, you know, the way that God has set up the world, you're made by your creator in his image designed, um, with the chief end of glorifying God and enjoying him. But because sin has broken that we kind of can end up questioning, like, if you're not a Christian, are you just free to belong to yourself? But the answer to that question is no. What, what that means is that 
for the non-Christian belonging to themselves is actually slavery. Um, And the world's belonging version preaches universalism and um, that my biggest problems are not me. They're outside of me. They're other people. There's what has been done to me. Those are my obstacles to belonging. And the solution is to love myself more. But the, the actual solution to um, struggling with issues of belonging is actually to define the world by God's terms. And so the world cannot offer us hope. They're, they're, painfully underqualified to offer us hope and help in this way because their definition is very nebulous. It it depends so much on who you ask. If you're going to ask a pseudo-progressive Christian researcher like Brene Brown, you're going to get one answer. If you ask um, her friend Glennon Doyle, you're going to get a slightly different answer. Jen Hatmaker is going to give you another version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask an Enneagram teacher like Chris Hewitt, who wrote the book, The Enneagram of Belonging, you're going to get another a- answer. And I mean, they have common threads running through them, but none of these people identify with historic faithful Christianity anymore. And so they're either going to have a Jesus plus type of belonging or they're going to altogether reject everything that the Bible says. And they'll want to just add a few Jesus-y sounding things to their philosophy without even submitting to the authority of scripture. And so quite a lot of how the world defines belonging and thinks about it is really based on natural revelation. And so it's um, God and his kindness does give people um, revelation and, and just common grace, like, you can look at the world, you can recognize things. So an unbeliever can look at the world around them and they can recognize that belonging exists and they're able to see that it is a beautiful thing and that it's something to genuinely long for, but they want to achieve that apart from God and his standard. And that is really the sticking point. And I'll, I will refer you to Brene Brown's definition when she says, um, True belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And later on, she says, um, no matter what happens, you belong to you. So for the non-believer or the pseudo-Christian, maybe, um, if you will. Uh, Belonging requires authenticity or being vulnerable to show your authentic self. And you're not willing to be transformed by something outside yourself to be what God is calling you to be. But you, you feel like your job is just to discover what is true about you as you define it. And ultimately you're the only standard of who you are and what you should be and what is authentic. And so, um, for them, it's not something that's given. It's something we achieve for ourselves through various practices, like being vulnerable or uncomfortable, but not sacrificing who you are and, um, and what you believe is your essence or, or what secular humanists would say is the purest part of ourselves. And, um, I want to acknowledge that the world has recognized a very real pain point. They understand that belonging is an issue. It's a need that we have, but it, like I said before, it's a need we have because it's something that God designed us for. And secular humanist philosophy and progressive Christianity, their definitions of belonging and and the solutions to finding it, they're promising something that they do not have the capacity to deliver. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. I mean, they're, I, I think 
you hit it on the head too at the beginning of when you started talking and said that if we misunderstand belonging, we idolize acceptance and that is what we have done. And, and the misleading thing is that like, I know we feel the same way about Bernie Brown's teachings, um, that they are, you know, well-intentioned, but miss the mark. And the idea of the, the idolizing acceptance, it's not just from the world. It's even from yourself. Um, we've idolized acceptance from, of ourself by ourself on our, on ourselves power, you know, everything self, yeah. self, 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 self. It starts yeah. from it, it happens through and by, and it ends with self. And yeah. And a lot of the time, you know, <clears throat> they would say a lot of the time they would say that, um, no, they don't want you to prize acceptance above everything because they'll say like, you can't achieve, they know that you can't ultimately mm-hmm. achieve acceptance from yeah. anybody else we um, perfectly. That. Yeah. Because you can't. And so they don't want you to depend on other people's acceptance of you. So they'll say the opposite of belonging is fitting in. Yes. I actually totally agree with that. Completely agree with that, that, um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the exact opposite, but they don't, they don't believe that belonging and fitting in are the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. but their solution to that is just to accept yourself. And that's a burden that none Mm -hmm. of us are meant to carry. Right. Well, and, and I guess what I'm saying is it's not the only difference is who's doing the accepting. Yes. The only difference is you still have to achieve, um, your security, your, your safety, your okayness by acceptance. It's just no longer the world's acceptance or other people's acceptance. It's your own acceptance of yourself and you can control that, right? Supposedly you can control how you feel and think and believe about yourself. So the problem, the problem then is not other people, it's you. And so the, you're going to now be preached a message of um, really just works and Mm -hmm. what you have to do to achieve this sense of full self-acceptance and um, such a deep, you know, deep belonging to yourself at a spiritual level that you are okay sharing yourself with the world and, and either finding those who will take you as you are or Mm -hmm. standing alone. If people reject you and say, no, I don't want that. And, and you're just so okay on your own in and of yourself based on, what exactly? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what the basis of our acceptance of ourselves is because there isn't, yeah. you, we don't have a universal to, to say, well, here's what that looks like. It's just yeah. whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, accept yourself, love yourself, um, be who you are. Don't change who you are. And it's, I mean, the Christian should hear all of those things and go, well, that's just, it's impossible. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Like it frankly yeah. is just a ridiculous concept that, um, man on his own can can accept himself truly i i think that you know we we understand that the reason that is is because of sin and fallenness Mm -hmm. and brokenness that we cannot accept ourselves um you know and and the reality is that we are actually based on god's law based on the law that he says you know even if you hate your brother in your heart you've committed murder or if you lust after a woman in your own heart, you've committed adultery. Like based on that, we are all murderers and adulterers. And so how can we accept ourselves on that basis? Like I'm actually really messed up and I, and I know that. And so, you know, it, it is just, um, I think for the Christian, it's, it's really obvious, but it is hard to, it can be hard to cross the line into talking with, um, 
people who don't have the same understanding of God and man, the same understanding of our, of our nature without Christ. Um, A huge appeal for a lot of Christian women that have gone the way of um, following Brene Brown. I've had countless conversations with women who um, praise Brene Brown because of all of her work on um, vulnerability and shame and all this stuff. And I think a huge part of the appeal is that someone like Brene Brown has actually recognized real problems. And, and this is true of most progressive Christianity. They have recognized actual problems that are hurting people, but they want to fix the problems with something other than the word of God. They want something other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. no king, no king but Caesar kind of a thing. It's like, no, we don't mm-hmm. want Jesus to fix the problem. I don't want to have to, to say that God's way is good. I want to have my own way to do this. And yeah. So it's, that's really the bottom line. And I think that's the draw for a lot of Christian women is that they can see that Brene Brown and, and some of these other people are pointing out real problems. And they're like, yes, that mm-hmm. resonates with me. Yes. I feel the same way. I understand right. what she's talking about, but then they fall into this trap of trying to heal the pain with something other than yeah. what God actually designed to heal it. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's a really good thing to point out that not everything that you would find in, in a Brene Brown book or, um, you know, even a Glennon Doyle book, like not everything is just blatant falsehood or lie. Like there's a lot of things that she points out about reality that might be true or about the world or about relationships. Like sure. you have been rejected. You have been made to feel less than you have been on the outside of that circle your whole life, haven't you? And just like, almost pushing the finger in the wound of like the pain that any of us have experienced or felt in our lives that we're like, yeah, I have. Thanks for, (laughs) thanks for rubbing it in, you know, in fact. And, and yet then, like you said, she, the solution offered, it just is like, you might as well hop on a hamster wheel and run your little heart ragged because it's not like, that's the, that's the same thing. You're doing the same thing. If you try to employ her solutions to actually finding true acceptance, um, and lasting acceptance. And, and we're not yeah. talking about accepting ourselves. We're talking about the belonging that God has bestowed on yeah. those who put their hope and their faith in Christ yeah. and, and trust him. And it's just goes back to that same idea of it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. There's gotta be more that I have to do. I, I should probably, you know, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And, and people make up their own lists and their own religions for how they want to yeah. be made right. And and I would say, you know, this offering from, um, you know, whether it's Brene Brown or any other teacher today, because she's just one name, there will be others mm-hmm. who come after her and who already are obviously who preach the same um, false gospel, but it's, it's really just another false religion of, um, you know, a means of achieving righteousness. Yeah. And, and in this case, in that context, righteousness would be true and whole and like unabashed self-acceptance because yep. that's, that's what makes you right or okay yeah. or good. Like when you finally, you know, overcome all the barriers and over the limitations that you have in your own mind and spirit from true, deep spiritual acceptance, and then practice that there's this idea of the spiritual practice, which is also very new age, um, that that is how you achieve righteousness and, yeah. and it's on the basis of you. So yeah. the problem I would ask, you know, and of anyone listening, who's skeptical of what I'm saying here is, you know, well, what if the person reading Brene Brown's book is a sociopathic murderer? I mean, 
frankly, why wouldn't they just, you know, go, you know, I, I really have this impulse to, you know, kill people. And I, I guess what I'm hearing here is I don't need to change. I just need to be more of what I already am. Well, on what basis would we say that person is wrong? On, on what basis or by what standard would we say, well, no, 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 that's not okay. Mm-hmm. That's, you aren't worthy of self-acceptance. Well, why not? Like on yeah. what basis? I mean, yeah. that's, <laughs> if we're talking Christianity and culture here. Like there is no basis. There is no basis yeah. in this secular worldview for morality and for right and wrong. So although that sounds ridiculous, I, I don't think it's a stretch at all to go, hey, well, how would you deal with this with someone who has a different moral code or ethic than you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, again, very important to remember that the, regardless of which expert you're looking to on this, if they're not using the scripture as a sufficient standard, what ends up happening is the distilled version of what they're talking about boils down to, or sorry, the, the version or sorry, let me try that again. The collective mm-hmm. message of what all these different voices are saying really distills down to you are responsible for your own belongings. So get to work because mm-hmm. if you want to experience it in your lifetime, you better start doing the work. And that's another phrase that's mm-hmm. very common in this world. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you're responsible for all these things, not something that you can receive from God, but something that you have to achieve for yourself. It's a, it's yeah. a huge burden. Yeah. It is, man, it, it like, it weighs heavy on you as you think about and consider these ideas, even though we reject them as truth. Um, when you sort of saddle yourself with all the expectations that these people who would be followers of this, this ideology and this way of thinking, the things yeah. that they are being saddled with every day. I'm like, it explains why we see such a hurting world. Yeah. Um, I because- mean, even, even women who would say like, oh, I don't really feel like, um, I'm worried about my belonging or my acceptance. A lot of the time they're holding on to or, or concealing pain that's very real for them. And mm-hmm. they have kind of steeled themselves against this. But I would say a good portion of the population just is desperate to belong. I mean, all you have to do is look at the magazines in your grocery store or, or do a Google search. You know, it's it really, the world is hungry for it. And um that's why the message of the gospel is so much more hopeful than anything mm-hmm. than that the world can offer because we actually have the answer. So what are some of the real problems that this ideology is ac- actually seeking to address, although it's in the wrong way? What are some of the real problems that it is confronting? Yeah. So when we were talking about how they've, how someone like Brene Brown or other people like her have actually identified real problems, some of those are things like rejection, um, mistreatment, and and sinful shaming. Um, and so, I I mean, I understand personally the need to deal with these situations, and and I'm sure you do too, and and mm-hmm. find ways of helping people. Um, I have been someone who has faced very long seasons of loneliness and loss, and I've. I have dealt with rejection and abandonment Mm -hmm. issues. And so I understand, so I'm not speaking into this, like somebody who's just totally never had this (laughs) kind of a life, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I have faced the realities that, that people like Brene Brown and others are trying to help, but the, what the world wants to say is the answer to mistreatment from others and shame is to really find our own way to express ourselves. And that Mm -hmm. self-love 
is the highest good we can want for ourselves. And that through these things, taking steps of self-love and vulnerability and self-acceptance, that those are, those are the paths to belonging. But I have to say that I believe it's a satanic message. That's absolutely what Satan would like you to believe that message that you can have something good Mm -hmm. apart from God and apart from his standard of goodness. So when you want to deal with real issues of shame and manipulation and rejection, as Christians, we are given the freedom to agree with God. God calls us to posture ourselves in agreement with him, not just to find our commonality with the world or find ways that the world could help and inform us. God is so much kinder than that. And the reality is that we as Christians try to be kinder than God. And then we fail absolutely painfully um, when we're trying to address sin. And so you see this reflected in a lot of different areas where the world is trying to offer comfort and hope but it's just cruelty because it offers no hope to people who have been mistreated according to God's standard. So as a Christian, I am called to agree with God and say, that person sinned against me. Maybe they manipulated me. Maybe they, um, maybe they slandered me or something like that. But I can say, because I, because I belong to Christ, I can say that person sinned against me. God says it was wrong because of X, Y, and Z. And then I can trust God to deal with the sin and I can Mm -hmm. forgive them or I can follow the proper channels of dealing with it. But I am never relegated to more self-acceptance and self-love or even like cutting people out of my life and cancel culture as the way of dealing with someone's sin or their mistreatment of me. So that is the best thing that we can offer people is the truth of God's word that no, that person hurt you, but the reason it hurts is because sin hurts because God Mm. calls this sin. And so we've got to consistently bring it back to the sufficiency of scripture and the fact that God's ways are good and his standard for us is good. That's so good that you brought that up. And I I think, uh, you know, it, it just goes to show that when we reject God's definitions for, um, you know, even something as basic and fundamental as sin, we then have to create a whole new network of beliefs and a new understanding and a new way to address the pain that someone's actions that are sin actually inflict upon us because we can't call it sin, but we are, we are aware because the law of God is written on our hearts and we have this, we have an internal conscience and, you know, we, we are, the Bible tells us that, that it's written on our hearts. And so we know that was wrong and I feel this way about it, but I can't say that. And so I have to now go, well, I'm just going to find acceptance in myself and I'm just going to like build a wall, like you said, and steal myself against this and grow hard and then close off to people and say, I don't need you or whatever, which Brene Brown would preach against because she would say, you should, if you're really truly only dependent on your self-acceptance, you don't need to do that. You can just remain kind of like this little island in a sense that can either be an island with a bunch of other islands or you can just be on your own in the middle of the ocean and you're fine either way, right? But um, but yeah, when we reject God's definition for something like sin, we then have to create this whole other network of beliefs that enable us to live in a world that is filled with sin. That's that's what happens. We We don't get to reject one definition and then go ahead with, you know, um, with everything else he says, like it doesn't, it, it doesn't work. It breaks down because we are, we are literally like starting. It's like we are taking the central thread of a tapestry and just pulling and everything else is going to unravel around it. We, yeah. And so it's just, I think even, you know, this, this topic stretches into 
a bigger discussion of God's definitions and the Bible's definitions for what yeah. sin is and what, what actually um, God has given us and told us. And when we are not faithful to those and do not accept those as truth, we are left in, I mean, in a very bad place, in a very messy, ugly place where, um, where now when, when that happens to us or when we do that to other people, when we sin against others, we have no way to explain it. We have no context for healing, for wholeness, for redemption, for um, unity. And so we have to create things like this. We have to create, like, there is no choice actually, but for Brene Brown or those others who would follow her and reject a biblical understanding of sin, there is no other option but for them to create this. Yeah. And I do want to say like, it's not all bad news. Like this is, that sounds like the really dark side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, the reality is that I, I mean, I've talked to women, I've had experiences of working with women and talking with women who um, previously just bought everything Brene Brown told them. Like they read the books, they did the work, you know, all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But then these lifelong Christians come to this understanding that, that their job as a Christian is to agree with God they have become totally unshackled. Like they are free in ways they didn't know freedom before. They can look at maybe their past experience with an abuser and say, no, it's not just wrong because he hurt my feelings or because, you know, he damaged my sense of self. He sinned against me according to God's standard. And that has freed them in ways that they had been striving to find freedom through all Mm. these other methods that were like we said, burdening them and hurting them. Yeah. That's, that's helpful. And yeah, encouraging to know that that at the end of the day, I mean, God is going to reach, he's going to reach his people with truth. Um, and that this, like pursuing this kind of a, uh, a method of finding belonging is going to return void. Unlike the, the word of God, which does not return void. This will yeah. return void. Um, and, and I used to read Brene Brown books just for the, um, you know, the principles that she teaches in them of, uh, you know, being vulnerable and remaining soft and those kinds of ideas, which Mm -hmm. are helpful for, you know, someone who tends towards hardness and tends towards like being closed off. Um, but I could, I can safely tell you, I never experienced any transformation as a result Mm -hmm. of reading those books. I never experienced any true healing like there was there was no that didn't lead it didn't lead there it just led to more works it just led to more doing and like as though if we get more information and better understanding we'll somehow break free from all of these chains and that's just not how that's not how sin works that's not how acceptance works um that is a works-based acceptance model so for sure we've established that um, how does the world's message in all of this, uh, the secular message, make vulnerability or belonging a virtue? Yeah, so vulnerability and authenticity are kind of those virtues of the worldly philosophy of belonging. And I think the best way to address this is that it is a weird kind of secular legalism. It's like if you're vulnerable, you'll do all these practices on the outside and you'll go through all this work and you'll be able to achieve belonging. I mean, you can watch this. I think it's in Brene Brown's um, uh, Netflix special. She kind of details this because, 
you'll know what it is to belong to yourself first, and then you can find people to experience belonging to or with. And um, so it's, but it's basically like a whole bunch of external virtues trying to achieve an inner sense of something. And that's really Mm -hmm. antithetical to the gospel. You know, Paul talks about in Philippians, work out what God has first worked in you. Um, So I think if we think of it in those terms, God has made you to belong to Christ. And because of that, you can be vulnerable with God's people. Mm -hmm. And so you work out what God has first done in you and you're real and truthful with God's people because you belong to Christ. But vulnerability itself isn't a virtue, even though it's kind of that sacred word of the belonging movement. Authenticity isn't a virtue. Truthfulness is. Kindness and patience and perseverance are virtues. But the world's definitions of virtues can... I would say sometimes be used to manipulate us. Like you're not being authentic and vulnerable. I mean, I'm not sure what standard they're applying there, but you know, I think it's so important again to remember God's standard is the one that we need to worry about. We need to watch our definitions. We need to watch our standards and um, we're not held to arbitrary nebulous ideas or worldly virtues. Yeah. That's helpful to just remember that along those lines. uh, What are some red flags that we would see, in um, messages or just, you know, out in the wild as we are encountering different ideas or teachings, um, whether it be on social media or in books or podcasts or authors, how do we, like, do you have any, any red flags for us that would be helpful? Yes, I do. Um, I think one, first of all, is it's very, it's, it's highly subjective. You are mm-hmm. the standard. You belong to you. That is language that's used quite a lot. Um, it's also highly dependent on self-acceptance. And um, for some, depending on who's teaching it, it could involve also a lot of self-protection and worldly courage. So mm-hmm. it's like um, being willing to put yourself out there and do what it takes and all that. But you'll also see a lot of rejection of um, historic Orthodox Christianity and a lot of indicators that the Bible is basically the worst thing you could have as your standard. Um, the research and experience is actually the gospel for them. It's that's mm, the scripture. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm. They always talk about what we know is right. what yes. we know. Oh my gosh, that phrase, that's a red flag. I'm going to yeah. say, I'm going to say, it's, I mean, be aware of like, some people say what we know and they speak truth. But or from the research, they'll, 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 the, they'll throw the that out. Like, the research us. shows us. Yes. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so that the research and experience is the scripture for many of these teachers and authorities. That's the only standard outside of the individual self that they will appeal to. So Mm -hmm. you'll hear things like do the work or do your work. Um, and, and by that, you'll know that belonging for the non-believer is something that's practiced by being vulnerable and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and finally it involves what they call authenticity or being your authentic self. Like we would say it's just being honest. It's not being like, um, it's not being fake to somebody say like not, um, I'm trying to think of like, do not lie to one another, you know, um, since you put off the old man and its practices. Um, but for the non-believer, for the worldly, definition, it would be like, you are the standard of what is authentic. Um, or if, if what is authentic becomes problematic on multiple levels, it, it not the least of which is just the fact that in our culture, everyone is set up to be the judge, jury, and executioner of mm-hmm. all that we individually determine is inauthentic. And so it's, um, those would be, I think some of the, the main ones. So how do we deny or turn from 
this worldly view of belonging because a lot of us have probably believed some of these ideas um whether it was intentional or not they've slipped into our ways of thinking we have turned vulnerability into a virtue we've turned belonging into a virtue we sought after it i mean how how do we actually as as believers turn from this um i believe that the way we do that is to turn towards the gospel uh, because very to put it very very bluntly the world's message stands in direct opposition to the gospel of christ um, mm-hmm. the message of the gospel is you are broken beyond repair not because of stuff that's been done to you although those might be real things and that might be real sin but the reason you're broken beyond repair is because of your heart posture toward God, dead in sin, and something that no amount of self-love is able to save. The gospel is the good news that you're more broken than you can comprehend and that you don't have the capacity to give yourself what you're lacking, but that Jesus Christ came and lived in the flesh for you, perfectly for you, died in your place, and received God's wrath for justly poured out so that you wouldn't have to bear it and that you can receive the gift of Christ by faith from God and be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's son. And so the, the answer is to turn away. It's, it's that act of repentance is to turn away toward God and um, recognize that for the world, belonging is really turned upside down from the way God designed it. Instead of being something that's provided, it's something that you exhaust yourself trying to um, to achieve. And mm-hmm. it can be very dehumanizing in a lot of ways, not living and accepting who God made you to be and imaging him and learning what it means to live as his creation, but mm-hmm. like this perpetual rat race that doesn't offer anything lasting and helpful. And so um, it's also really important for us to posture our heart and mind in a position that says, um, what is this message asking me? So for example, the solutions and wisdom offered by a lot of people like Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown, in a lot of ways, they're not any different than what Satan asked Eve in the garden. Did God actually say, mm-hmm. and, and they plant seeds about doubt of doubt about God's ways and his design. And then they offer us this lie and, and a reality that the world, the reality the world is trying to offer us is something it doesn't have the right to give. And so we reject the world's notion by um, understanding that they are aligning themselves with Satan and not actually with the world. And that sounds really harsh. I think it does really sound difficult to receive because, um, but when, when you boil it down, when you say that this belonging by her, by Brene Brown, that um, true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And I wish I had strong enough words to say that that is actually prison. That is Mm -hmm. not freedom. To be told that our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of Mm self-acceptance. Like actually listen to those words. Um, it's terrible. I, I think the I think the the crazy thing is she's right. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's telling the truth about she's their telling worldview. The truth. Yes, she is. But that's actually offering you hell. There's not a way right. of sugarcoating it. Like hell is separation <laughs> yeah. from God. And when you look at the definition according to God's terms, and you realize that what the world is offering you is something separated from God and from His standard yeah. and from His goodness, that is not kindness. That is, we could have just started there, you know, that's hatred and cruelty and hell. Yeah. Yeah. We could have started with that because yeah, it's totally, 
your, your level of acceptance will never be greater than your own acceptance of yourself. I mean, I'm glad that she has become so familiar with the reality of her message that she's telling the truth, but I wish that more people, more Christians who were, um, you know, converts of hers would hear that and go, does that align with what the Bible says to me? Or does it say that because of Christ and because of his work, if I have been set free, then I am free indeed. Mm -hmm. And that also means that I belong. That also means that I don't have to achieve for myself. That also means I don't have to secure anything and that I am actually incapable of doing that because the law only causes my flesh to rise up in battle and Christ fulfilled the law because I couldn't. And so that means that I'm made right with, between him and God, which then can make me right, but you know, with my, with my neighbor or my sister or my friend, because I've been made right with the only one whose opinion matters. And even if this person rejects me and even if they don't accept me, and even if they wrongly accuse me or falsely believe something about me, mm-hmm. my security is, is, um, is untouchable. My, my position with the King cannot be threatened by those things because they are created in his image too. And they are under the same, you know, they are in, in under the same curse of death without him as I am. But because of Christ, I've been set free. I've been made new. I've been called beloved. I've been made part of the family of God. I've been bestowed this belonging. I mean, it's the, it's just, it's the gospel. Like you said, there is nothing. I mean, if you hold these messages up to the gospel, they do not compute at all. There's literally, no. there's no alignment. And, and it, the best we can say is that she's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And so go ahead, you know, if you don't believe it, you want to go that route, go ahead. But that, that's where you're left is you really do have to achieve 100, you know, really like you have to achieve ultimate and absolute self-acceptance all the time or else you lose your standing and you lose being okay. You lose, yeah, you lose your acceptance, you lose your love and, and whatever space and time that it is lost in, you have got to find it some other way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's sad. It's slavery really there. It's, yeah, it's offering you slavery and telling you it's Mm -hmm. freedom. And isn't that exactly what the devil does? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Man. So Lastly, how do we live this out in community? I kind of just started touching on it, but you know, we know that we're not going to have perfect relationships as Christians. You and I both have experienced a lot of rejection actually um, for different reasons. But um, you know, we like, for example, one that we share is that we both are um, somewhat outspoken on our podcasts and platforms. And that, you know, in case anyone was listening, doesn't always garner you a bunch of friends. Like, it's not like people love to be, you know, love to be associated with the girl who's out there, you know, taking stances right and left and, and drawing lines in the sand. Like mm. that's actually can be a very isolating place to be. So, yeah. so walking this out in reality, in the world and communities, um, how, what, what, do you, what would you say to that? I think, one of the first things is to remember that scripture is sufficient to meet our needs and to really encourage one another with this. Um, I think there's, if there's something that Satan would really, really love, it's to convince women that the Bible doesn't have what you need. And I can't tell you how many women I've talked with who are buying into secular humanist philosophy because they think the Bible is a nice accessory to their life 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's not vital to their existence or their actual mm-hmm. lifeline. And so they've bought this idea that the world has something great. And if we go with what God has for us, we're missing out. Um, mm-hmm. Or that basically, if you came to the word, essentially God would say, sorry, I don't have what you need here. Go dumpster dive in the world's garbage and yeah. find what find something to work for you. And, and God is so much kinder than that. He mm-hmm. has provided everything we need for life and godliness. And so one of the first questions I think to ask in terms of evaluating how we're living this out in community is to, to really ask ourselves, do I believe that God has provided what I need for life and godliness? Mm-hmm. Have I looked to the word? Have I asked God to reveal to me what I need um, to understand my own belonging, to understand how to relate to others? And, and I think those are very pertinent questions to ask ourselves because if the answer to those is no if the answer is no i haven't been in the word well you know what you need to do Mm. (laughs) there's the first your first step right go open the word ask god who are you show me who you are show me how you act show me how you relate to me show me what it means to be in a covenant relationship with you and in fellowship with your people um and you know jesus unequivocally said he was the one way in the life He's not optional. He's not a person who stands next to us affirming our choices because he thinks we're so great. And that is a direct result of a very small view of God and a low view of scripture. And so when we're in fellowship with other Christians or when we're relating to other people, we need to remember that um, as image bearers, as people who are carrying Christ to our neighbors, we should not be standing next to them, affirming their choices because we think they're so great and just offering acceptance about everything. Um, we need to be willing to ask hard questions and say, when somebody brings up the topic of belonging or acceptance, we need to ask, what does that mean to you that you belong to yourself? What does that mean that you are trying to be vulnerable so that you achieve something? We need to ask those questions. And then we need to encourage our neighbors and our friends and our, our fellow church members and our sisters in Christ to agree with God and his standard. This is honestly the best hope we can offer them. You know, do you have pain and shame and rejection? Almost everybody does. I have not met a single person who does not have some kind of pain in their life right now. Take it to God's word. See what he says. Maybe he's going to show you that somebody sinned against you. Maybe he's going to call you to um, lay down your life in forgiveness and repentance. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe you're the one at fault. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. you won't find hope and restoration and belonging in another gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the most important thing in living this out in community is to remember that God is good. His ways are good. Um, you know, if I, if I've got a kid who is playing in the front yard and they, um, and a a person walks up to them and says, Hey, you know, my van's around the corner and I have candy and kitties and puppies and ice cream for you. And, you know, we train our kids not to go after this because, um, we want our children to know that somebody who's offering happiness apart from the parameters that have been set for us is trying to trap us. And there's always going to be a temptation to think, this thing outside of God and his ways is the best thing that could ever happen to me. You know, maybe this is easier than God's way of of finding belonging or acceptance. 
I want my kids and I want my friends and I want, you know, my neighbors to know that in God's providence, you know, you've been placed here, this, in this place, in these relationships, God has designed the world a certain way and his way of you finding belonging in him is good. And, Mm. um, the alternative is hell and slavery in this life. And Mm. so we must be pointing each other back to God's standard constantly and encouraging each other with God's standards Mm -hmm. and the freedom that God offers us. Yeah. That's so good. Building one, one another up until we reach the full stature of Christ in maturity, like Ephesians talks about. And Bethany, thank you so much for sharing this with us. I know that this is going to really hit home for a lot of women that it's a heavy topic. (laughs) It is heavy. I mean, but it is, um, it's heavier when you approach it from a secular worldview and a worldly way of thinking it's, it's much heavier than if you go, Hey, like this is the truth. The gospel sets us free from that. So I hope that people walk away feeling more light than heavy in the truth of his word and what he has said. And the fact that he is, he is a God who has bestowed belonging on those that, um, that he has called and that have accepted Christ and, um, Mm -hmm. and his sacrifice and his life on their behalf. And that we don't have to achieve or meet any crazy standards or accept ourselves. till we're blue in the face that that's not where acceptance is found. So yeah, I I do want to say one, one thing to your listeners too, Haley, is that when, when you agree with God and you know that you have pain and, and, and issues of belonging and rejection and shame. Um, I just want to encourage you don't hang on to that and think that you can deal with it on your own, Mm -hmm. bring it to the Lord and believe and know that he will deal with it fully. He Mm -hmm. is the healer and he is the one that teaches you what it means to belong to him and what it means to live out of a place that he has designed for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such good encouragement. Thank you so much. And you, um, you mentioned at the beginning, you have the podcast Women Encouraged and where can yes. people connect with, with you online? I'm on Instagram at Women Encouraged and I'm on Instagram as well at Bethany Berendrecht. Um, you can also find us at women-encouraged.com. That's our website. You can find the podcast there as well, or search for it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes. And go back a few episodes. I was on Bethany's podcast talking about progressive Christianity a couple weeks ago. So yes. Thank you so much, Bethany. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, Be sure and come find me on Instagram at hayleywilliams.kindled. If you want to join us for Friday Firestarters, uh, head to patreon.com slash kindled podcast and you can join us there for $10 a month. Um, And if not, then I will see you next Monday. You guys have a great week. Bye.